This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Charlie Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. Dinosaurs are kind of a big deal in Colorado. Recently, state lawmakers introduced a bill to create a license plate devoted to the Stegosaurus, the dinosaur whose fossils were first discovered just up the road in Morrison. Erin LeCount is the Education Programs Director at Dinosaur Ridge, and she joins me today to explain how Colorado got its legit dinosaur discovery cred. Today is Thursday, March 9th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Erin LeCount, welcome to CityCast Denver. Hello, thank you so much for the invite. So I was just at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science with my toddler, who, of course, loves dinosaurs. So I want to start with a question that I think every kid wants to know first, which is kind of hard hitting. Erin, what is your favorite dinosaur and why? Uh, My favorite dinosaur is Stegosaurus. Uh, It is our Colorado State fossil and one of the first parts of a dinosaur that I ended digging up uh, in Fruta, Colorado, just outside of Fruta, Colorado in high school. I was 16 and I was on my first dinosaur dig and a part uh, that I had pulled out of the ground was part of a stegosaurus vertebrae. And I just thought that was so cool because I'd grown up at Dinosaur Ridge where the, the, the first bones that were found that named stegosaurus came from. Um, so I, I already had kind of a connection with that dinosaur and then being able to be the first human being to ever see that particular thing come out of the ground out of after 150 million years of being buried and fossilized in an ancient river. Uh, I was very excited. So Stegosaurus has always held a special place in my heart. That's like a kid's dream. For sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you brought up Stegosaurus because that's why we're talking about dinosaurs right now. Um, state lawmakers are debating a proposal to create a new Stegosaurus license plate that Colorado drivers could put on their cars. Can you talk more about the Stegosaurus and its importance to Colorado? Sure. Stegosaurus, uh, again, is our state fossil. It was named our state fossil put into to actual official legislation by Governor Lamb back in 1982. And it was really championed by an elementary school teacher at McElwain Elementary in Denver. She's a fourth grade teacher. Her name is Ruth Sato. And this, she got the, the backing of her fourth grade students. And they put in this proposal and did little research projects. And they went to Governor Lamb to put in that Colorado needed a state fossil. And they recommended Stegosaurus because of where it was found just outside of Denver. And that would be at Dinosaur Ridge in some of the layers that were first explored for Colorado dinosaurs all the way back in 1876. Let's go back to then. Can you talk to me more about what was going on in 1876? I mean, why why were we digging for dinosaurs? Yeah, dinosaurs were still a very new thing in 1876. Uh, they were studied 
across Europe, of course, and across other parts of the world and Eastern North America. And American paleontology was, just, was really coming into its heyday. It hadn't quite made its way out west yet, past Kansas, starting to come into Colorado, starting to come into parts of Wyoming. Uh, but there were local geologists here, especially here in, in Golden City. At that time, it was called Golden City, Colorado and, and Denver City, Colorado. And um, mining as an industry through the 1850s and 60s, right? You have the gold rush coming into Colorado. And it's always said in the 1870s is when the bone rush happened. So you have surveyors, geological surveyors were the ones that were finding fossils across Colorado. And they were reporting them to these prominent American paleontologists. And our local uh, geology, um, probably mineral expert, uh, he was also a writer and he was an artist at the time he was teaching art and drawing classes and English ever at Jarvis Hall. And he was working with a lot of geological surveyors because he would do mapping for them and illustrating the different formations and the layers and, and the mineral structures for them. Well, he was doing some measuring on Dinosaur Ridge in probably March of 1876 and stumbled across dinosaur bones on, dino on what would become Dinosaur Ridge, the back end of Dinosaur Ridge close to Red Rocks Park. And he ended up finding a lot of material, trying to identify it. He wasn't very up on, on that particular vertebrate paleontology and animal anatomy, but he knew that it was significant. And he knew that he was starting to find more and more the more he looked. So he reached out to Oath Neil Charles Marsh over in uh, the Easter co East Coast, over in Connecticut, over at Yale Peabody Museum, Yale College. And uh, he eventually, a year later, was hired by Marsh to work in Morrison um, after making several more discoveries and, and sending him letter upon letter of, look at all these cool things I found. Uh, come come look at my shinies and tell me if you want to buy them. I need money. I'm a teacher. So not much has changed in that arena since 1876, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, that kind of was the kickstart that that really made those American paleontologists look to Colorado as a source of fossils that they had been finding all across the United States. This is so interesting because it's like making me rethink our picture of the Wild West, right? And you talk about the gold rush, but then you're talking about the bone rush. So at the same time, paleontologists were also actively digging in Colorado. Yeah, and, and it wasn't just paleontologists. Truly, paleontologists weren't actively digging in Colorado. They were locals. Our Colorado locals were the ones that were finding these or rediscovering them. Surveyors were discovering them. Um, down in Canyon City, Colorado, you have another teacher, uh, Oramel Lucas, who un uncovered fossils that would lead to the Garden Park fossil areas down there, who is, you know, that's another national natural landmark, just like Dinosaur Ridge is here up in this part of Colorado. So they were local people. And of course, we can't overshine the fact that a lot of the surveyors were getting information of where to go find some of these special outcrops or layers of rock or fossils that were in the rock from our indigenous people that were living here. They that knew the land better than any of the surveyors or the people that were coming over from the East Coast to do mapping. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. 
Then there's the Western Slope, Paonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine. Are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. Fast forward to present day, I'm thinking about there's folks around Denver who have stumbled upon dinosaur bones like now. And I think I'm pretty sure that they found some fossils when they were building Coors Field a couple decades ago. Am I crazy or does this just happen a lot here? You know, you're not crazy. It does happen a lot here. Colorado is one and I'm super biased because I live here, right? (laughs) Of course, I'm going to be like, Colorado is the best state. Of course, I'm going to say that. But the uniqueness of what we find in Colorado is thanks to the geology, right? It's not so much thanks to the things that lived here. Life lived wherever there was water, right? But the reason that we are finding them and the reason that, that they were abundantly found across this area and they lived across this area is because of the geology. The uplift of the mountains that happened about 75 million years ago started uplifting that tilted the rock layers that that buried other rock layers through erosion and rivers depositing stuff and moving stuff um, is the reason that we find as much as we do here. Uh, the reason that we can be in the middle of Denver creating a, you know, building a new baseball stadium and stumble across the bones of a triceratops just under home plate, uh, or what we think is, a, is probably a triceratops, a horned dinosaur that was there. So that's how you end up with Dinger. <laughs> oh, good call. Now we have the mascot of the triceratops is Dinger because we found horned dinosaur bones when they were building the stadium, they were building the public building uh, for fire and police in Thornton and stumbled across the Taurosaurus, which is another horned dinosaur, a very close cousin of Triceratops. And it's the most complete one that anyone has ever seen. And it's you can go see it at the Denver Museum. It's it's an amazing specimen. So this has been happening for hundreds of years, probably thousands of years uh, with the with the with the peoples living here and it's going to continue to happen and it's just the coolest place because we get that that extra chance to be able to see a little slice of everything um, with the geology and then this cool stuff that we find in those rocks so it sounds like it's sort of this combination of the fact that our natural landscape and geology is leads us to more just based on how our our ground is made up is, is where we get more but also there was this interest here maybe at the right moment, you know, in the, in this sort of like turn of the last century when folks were really into this discovery of this uh, in, discovery is, is a tense term. But I'm also thinking about this moment you're talking about with Coors Field. I like you grew up here in the 80s and 90s. I know Jurassic Park made dinosaurs really big, but it felt so local. And this is is why. It's because we're we're already this really fertile ground for dinosaurs. Yeah, I mean, dinosaurs have kind of been a huge part of Colorado history for a long time. And and it comes and goes, right? You have these nice waves of Jurassic Park definitely helps. Uh, <laughs> there are so many people that are paleontologists today that are my age that did it because they saw Jurassic Park when they were six and they realized, I want to be the Alan Grant. I want to be the Ellie Sadler. I want to study this. I want to study that. And I want to learn more about the past because dinosaurs are cool. Dinosaurs have always been cool. 
I mean, they're they're an attraction that that people have been seeing in their museums since the mid 1800s, where you have the the Crystal Park dinosaur models uh, in London, just outside of London, where you have these beautiful lizards, because truly, that's what they thought they were these truly hideous, but they're amazing, (laughs) right? So we've had a fascination with dinosaurs for a long time, and it is not going to go away. Like dinosaurs are just, as I always call them, dinosaurs are the gateway drug to harder science. (laughs) <laughs> because truly we get introduced to them at such a young age because they're so cool and they're usually at the forefront of a museum. You can't walk into the Denver Museum and not get your picture taken under the foot of the Rockette T-Rex, right? <laughs> I, That's just, there. I just did this on Monday. You have to. <laughs> I do it Same picture. <laughs> every time I'm there. I'm there like once or twice a month and I'm like, I got to go see the T-Rex. I got to go see the T-Rex. And Part of that is because of the the paving of the way that was done by locals finding things and having experts come and look at them. And the fact that that still continues because we're in such a fossil rich place is something that that makes any any kind of fossil discovery feel close to home because it reminds you. Uh, You can hear about a new dinosaur that was found in Africa and you go, oh, you know, I really should go back and check out the dinosaurs at the museum. I should go back to Dinosaur Ridge and and see the bones or put my hands in the dinosaur tracks because, oh, yeah, it's only 30 minutes away. Right. Yeah. It's it's literally right in our backyard. Yeah. And I know we have still have so much more to discover, but is the Front Range still a particularly good place to go if someone's interested in studying dinosaurs? Absolutely. If anyone's interested in studying dinosaurs, this is a great place to do it. There's so many avenues that you can take for discovery, too. Um, I published my first paper last year, and it was on something that I never thought I would publish a paper on, which is the history. Uh, <laughs> it was history of paleontology focus, and it was reestablishing, reestablishing uh, and correcting what were assumed timelines of discovery across Morrison and Denver uh, here in Colorado, and realizing that we had the timeline completely wrong. And it wasn't like by order of magnitude. We're not talking millions of years wrong. We're talking one year, but that does change the story and it changed how the story is told. So I ended up doing some historical paleontology, which you can get into. You can do geology and how the landscapes changed over time. You can do plant fossils. You can do ocean fossils here in Colorado. You can go out to Eastern Colorado and dig up sea monsters. (laughs) The wide range of paleo things that you can do. And I I tend to ignore mammals because I do dinosaur paleontology, (laughs) but I mean, Colorado is rich in mammal fossils, of course, as well. We have um, 30 to 15 million year old precursors to pachyderms that were living in eastern Colorado back then. You can also find mammoths and mastodons and, and like Snowmass, the amazing discovery several years ago at Snowmass. So uh, it's any kind of old dead thing that you want to study that isn't Spinosaurus, because you have to specifically go to Northern Africa for that one, or Mongolia for Velociraptors. So if those are your favorites, you got to head out. But most any kind of paleontology you could do here in Colorado. So it sounds to me like if state lawmakers pass this bill and authorize the Stegosaurus license plate, they're going to need to designate a nonprofit that would take donations from people who want to get the license plate. Aaron, tell me about why Dinosaur Ridge would be the right nonprofit for that. Uh, we started the the whole thing. We we kickstarted the idea of this. St- uh, st- what we originally thought of as a state fossil license plate has kind of morphed into just a fossil license plate representative of Colorado. Uh, and of course, we put Stegosaurus on that being our state fossil, but also 
it's coolest dinosaur out there. I mean, T-Rex <laughs> is okay, but Stegosaurus is pretty cool. So us being the the nonprofit that that is where you'd go to get that license plate just makes sense because we are the tomb of the original Stegosaurus, right? We are the place where those bones that were unearthed and identified and named in December of 1877 as the first named Stegosaurus came from right here. So folks can come to Dinosaur Ridge today and see this tomb of Stegosaurus, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, we're open seven days a week. We run guided programs every day. Snowy days are tricky. You can sometimes still go up and see fossils, but it, you won't have as much fun if you're shivering and super cold. But we're open all year round. And as locals know, there are plenty of beautiful days through the winter where you know we're not going to be as busy. Uh, we have audio tours, we have new interpretive signs, we have family field guides, uh, we have a lot of ways to come and explore Dinosaur Ridge. So if you're thinking I want someone to tell me about everything, we've got our, our bus tours, we've got our shuttle tours with with trained guides that love teaching about our old, our old dead things and the rocks that house them. But we also, um, you know, you can go up on your own. It's open. You can walk up. We're under Jefferson County open space land. They, they're the land owners. But that means sun up to sundown, you can come out and hike it. It's a, it's a paved, closed portion of a road. Easy to get to, stroller friendly, pet friendly, uh, with leashes and cleaning up after them. And it's just a great it's a great way to go explore the past because, like I said, we're 30 minutes outside of Denver and it's an experience that that putting your hand in a footprint of a dinosaur that's 100 million years old is, is one of the coolest things you can do. Well, Aaron LeCount, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. And here's what else Denverites are talking about electric vehicles. If you want to stop burning up all those prehistoric fossils, aka fossil fuels, aka gas, the Colorado Energy Office is working on a trade-in rebate to put you behind the wheel of a new EV. If you qualify for certain income restrictions and trade in your old gas guzzler, you could get up to $6,000 toward an electric or plug-in hybrid car. CPR reports that the state has set aside $2 million through 2024 for folks wanting to make the switch. Happy charging! And finally, we have an update on the most important investigation of the year. The Arapahoe County Sheriff's Office has wrapped up their probe into January's Taco Bell rat poisoning scandal and cleared employees of any wrongdoing. In case you missed it, a disgruntled TV customer claimed his bean burrito, which he forced employees to give him for free in exchange for the location's pop machine being broken, was contaminated. Nine News reports that Arapahoe County studied surveillance footage from inside the restaurant and found no evidence of employees tainting the burrito in question. They still don't know how the rat poison got in the burrito, but it sounds like a case of self-poisoning. And I don't know about you, but I'm already planning to snag a cheesy bean and rice burrito and a Mexican pizza for today's fourth meal. Oh, and one more thing. I have a question for you. We've been talking a lot about safety and crime when it comes to the mayor's race, but I want to know, what does safety really mean to you? Leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood, and you might hear it on the show. Our number is 720-500-5418. Again, that number is 720-500-5418.
That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Dinger about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. I almost said I'm already planning to run for the border, but then I remembered that's their 90s slogan, and that is super not appropriate today. (laughs) I kind of can't believe that they use that, but got to do a border run for the world's worst Mexican food.